Hello there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. Beautiful Monday morning, April 4th, 2022. With Tristan, I'm Eric, and the great Kyle Sapi is our producer. Before we get started with all the news and the relief pitcher talk and your hash browns, I have to read a prepared statement from ESPN Management. The Fantasy Focus Baseball podcast will be ending as a standalone podcast effective opening day. That is this Thursday. Kyle, Tristan, and I are as disappointed as you are that we will not be able to go through the season with you, but we are very thankful for the many years we've spent with you in this capacity. Our written content will continue to be featured on ESPN.com and in the ESPN Fantasy app. And Tristan will, as always, help you win leagues. That's not changing. Please subscribe to the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney and his many terrific guests. Perhaps we will appear there from time to time as well. That's the end of the statement. And we'll have more on this on Thursday's show. I'll read it again, and we will celebrate a great run uh, on Fantasy Focus Baseball on Thursday. Please send in your hash browns now for that show. And uh, it'll be mostly heavy, I guess, Tristan, with like predictions of the season, Phillies winning the World Series over the Yankees. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, a lot of questions, hash browns, and we'll try to celebrate, you know, over a decade of work. But we have a lot of news to get to on today's show, so we're going to move on to that. And, um, you know, I could have started with Jake DeGrom, but I want to start with something happier. Bobby Witt has made the Royals. Yes! I love it. I love taking the good. And by the way, like, he's not the only rookie there, but he is the number one prospect. He made the team. He's the third baseman for the Royals. We love it. Right. And he's going to be a fantasy monster. And I made, I wrote a column today about uh, all the rankings changes I made from the weekend. And Bobby Witt went right to, like, pretty much where Carlos Correa is. I have that much confidence that Bobby Witt is going to be a top 75 player right away, hit for average, steal bases, good power, going to bat second in, a, in actually a decent lineup. Um, is that too aggressive to put Bobby Witt in my top 75? Or should I have him in like my top 30? What do you think? I think it's fair, especially in Roto, because if you look at his potential, he's got the ability that's in the ballpark of, let's say, Francisco Lindor? Maybe not quite to the level of Trevor's story, but not far off of that. The question is whether you think he hits immediately. And I do think, based on what we saw in spring training, based on all the scouting reports and everything, that he should be able to do that. I, I feel like you and I talked about this last week. I made that really wild, bold prediction of he becomes the third rookie in history to put forth a 2025, uh, 25-25 season. And now I'm like, oh, well, that was just sort of light, as you had warned me in the book. <laughs> 75th overall might be fair. Yeah, yeah, for Roto, especially. Yeah, I like it. I mean, is Carlos Correa going to steal bases? Is he a lock to play 150 games? Uh, is he going to hit 25 home runs? I mean, I, I, I'm just using Correa as an example. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I like Bobby Witt quite a bit, and I moved, moved him way up in my rank. Because I, I think we had a feeling last week he was going to make the uh, team. Um, and dual so. eligibility coming very quickly. It's 10 games for him to gain that third base in addition to short. Which does matter. Yep. It absolutely matters. You might be thinking, oh, shortstop's weaker. For one, I'm not sure no. shortstop is weaker than third base. It and two, not. it's look, you always, at some point during a season, like I took DJ LeMayo on a team, not because I expected to bounce back to have a monster year, but because first, second, third eligibility, that matters during a season. You can move them all over the place. So, mm -hmm. yep, it's important. Um, Spencer Torkelson made the Tigers, again, not a surprise, first baseman with power. And I moved him into like my 150 range where other first basemen are like Frankie Schwindel, Brandon Belt, um, Reese Hoskins is there maybe. So, I mean, I like Torkelson. I don't expect him to bat 300 or steal bases like Witt, 
But if he bats fifth or sixth every day for them, that's a 25. Now, I hope he's not Andrew Vaughn, <laughs> okay, because we thought Vaughn mm-hmm. was going to do that last year. But, you know, Vaughn's problems have nothing to do with Torkelson. What do you think? Yeah. And one of the differences between the two is, and I do think this matters a little bit, that Torkelson knows his role. As you said, he should be the regular number six most likely hitter in the order. He's going to play first base every day. It's not a matter of throwing Andrew Vaughn out in left field with a week's notice before opening day just to get him in the lineup, then bouncing between left-right DH. I think he might have gotten a couple of games at first base as well. I don't think that's the easiest way for a rookie to break in. And I think in Torkelson's case, a lot of the skills comps are apt, but I do think that he kind of hits the ground running. I think he's he's going to adapt a little bit more being in a, a regular role. And I think you're about right on the valuation there. Even when I look at it from a points-based perspective, I throw the same names in there. I think it's the Hoskins. I, I think CJ Crone is probably a very comparable ranking guy for points leagues. The difference between the two being that Crone will probably have better end-of-year total numbers, but is he guaranteed? Don't know. And he's got the home road issue that you deal with with the head-to-head. Do you bother drafting uh, Tigers uh, outfielder Riley Green now that he has a broken foot, probably out all of April? He was going to make the team, too, and perhaps be their starting center fielder, and now he won't be. But uh, he has a bright future as well. Riley Green is a potential five-category guy. He steals bases. He should be better than Torkelson if you gave them both 500 PAs, but now we probably can't. Yeah, he's one we might be talking about a top 100 ceiling, uh, especially for Roto. Maybe a little less so in the points leagues. That That's one of these three that has a greater divide. I don't think I'd draft him in our standard game. And just to be clear, it's only the standard game because it's 10-team, very shallow. You can fill outfield pretty easily. Otherwise, you only have the three IL spots. Yes, granted, with that and the four bench, it's a little bit easier than it was three, four years ago. But I, I think it's it's a two-month absence, most likely. And if it's a rookie, they'll probably send him down to the minors to buy some time. You're going to be waiting a while. It's a shame. I I think he's a very good prospect. I agree. Are there any other rookies here that are going to make the team that we need to discuss? I mean, Bryson Stott in Philadelphia, we don't know yet. He might be the starting third baseman for them. He looks like a hitter. He would bat eighth or ninth, but he looks like a hitter. And Alec Bohm right now does not. Um, Any other prospects? Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, go ahead. So one who did make the team and one who's probably going to make the team. And they're both uh, the the cap tip to Schoenfield. The Mariners prospects, Julio Rodriguez, who has not been announced as making the team, but he's playing like he should be on it. And Matt Brash who oh, makes Brash. the Mariners rotation as their number four starter. That's uh, a very interesting development. He was going up against George Kirby, another prospect, and Brash emerged. Check out when he throws his wiffle ball, people. Google that. Matt Brash, <laughs> that pitch is amazing. It's just so much movement there. But I think we need to be fair here. Guys like Torkelson, Julio Rodriguez, they're going to play every day. They can get 600 PAs. Matt Brash is not probably not passing, what, 120 innings? I mean, the Mariners, they, they want to make the playoffs for the first time in a generation. But, you know, they're not going to let Matt Brash throw 170 innings doing it. So how many innings is the most we can expect here? The most is and this is everything goes right. We're looking at the Chris Paddock treatment from the rookie year where it's in the 150 range and that would need to have a lot of things go right. So yes, to your point, it's yeah. It, I don't want to get carried away with the expectations. It's just a very good bit of news. And he certainly is a, a very late round sleeper. Now you're drafting today, middle infield spot. Do you take Bryson Stott or Didi Gregorius? Hmm. In the standard game, shallow mixed, I would take the unknown. I would go with the the infamous – no, actually, I'm going to call it famous. It's not infamous. It's a positive one, the Carabelle quote. Uh, they haven't pro- proven they stunk yet. 
and dd has <laughs> i will love i will love that yeah except for that great double play he did in that yankee preseason game the other day <laughs> all right we got some negative stuff here more of it at least jake Degrom. um this is not good and it's not a muscle injury it's not like a tear so it's it's almost worse <laughs> in a way he's out probably half the season now and when i thought about where to dump him my initial reaction which i think is wrong was to put him where Tatis is. They're both missing half the season. They both could be top 10 guys when fully healthy or would be top five guys when healthy. But I, I'm more worried about DeGrom. I, I, now I've got him like 175. I'm thinking, how can you even take him as a top four starter right now, knowing he's missing half? And then there'll be another malady at some point too. Like I, I'm more optimistic about Tatis. Um, but when it comes to DeGrom now, I mean, I just don't know when he's going to pitch. What do you think? Mm -hmm. It's a fair comparison point to bring up Tatis because I think uh, a challenge of who plays a major league game in 2022 first is an absolutely valid one. It's a stress re reaction in the right scapula. He's not throwing for what I understand is up to four weeks. Everybody's saying it's automatic four weeks. Yeah, he could be a little sooner than that. But then he is starting his spring training over. So mid-May to me is the absolute perfect scenario for DeGrom coming back. If everything falls exactly right, he's pitching for the Mets in mid-May. That is a huge problem. That's like a third of the season right there. And even though when he's healthy, he gives you great numbers. This has been now two plus years of, you know, little injuries that have become pretty big injuries. And this is different from the previous ones. I'm worried. And, you know, you and I talked about that a lot as last year progressed, how increasingly worried I was. Rankings wise, I'm less apt to draft him than Tatis. I'm with you there. Oh, much less to me. I mean, again, I. Where do you I, move him? Like where Shane Baz is, like like seventeenth yeah. round. I mean, yeah. we're talking. He gave us fifteen starts last year. They were historic, but I don't even know if we can count on fifteen starts this year. So I'm concerned. Um, the the replacement issue, the, the the value of replacement in a points league, does give you a case for him in the top forty starting pitchers. I I don't feel comfortable even there. I put him thirty fifth, I believe it is. The number said he should be forty fifth. Even there, I I feel totally uncomfortable drafting him and it's a shame that we've turned around in one week this quickly on him uh lance land and mike clevenger have knee issues they're both out for a while um i think with clevenger part of it is they have so much depth after trading for sean Manaya. man the athletics are going to be awful um that the padres can be patient with clevenger but i don't expect them to pitch in the next couple of weeks um i moved him basically to like around 20 around 22 like he's almost like their last pitcher now and lance lynn i think is in the range of degrom um, you know, like mm -hmm. 160, 170 overall there. We knew he had knee issues. Now he's having surgery. He's out at least probably six weeks of the season. Um, we were all concerned about Lynn to start, but then again, we all had him like borderline top 20 starting pitcher. Yeah. Lance Lynn's was the frustratingly, frustratingly, uh, ignored off season of questions. And that is that knee issue came up in November and he didn't have anything done with it. And I remember I raised that to you and nobody was thinking about it. And here it is back because up, you know, up until this point, there was nothing that suggested he had issues still with it. And now here it is again. So the biggest issue, the, the biggest plus with him is volume. He, he's a workhorse pitcher. That's kind of gone now. I'm with you. I think you're, you're ranking him in about the right spot. I think you've dropped him down to that, that appropriate uh, range. Clevenger's probably still a guy who's worth drafting because you can shuffle off on the injury spots when he's healthy. He gives you high, uh, high upside performance. But this might be good news. Like you said, Manaya's there. Mackenzie Gore could actually make this team. Could. And if not, he might actually be a, a pretty early call-up when needed. 
You know, the White Sox could go with Reynaldo Lopez in the rotation. It sounds like it's going to be former Phillies great Vince Velasquez. So I ask you, will Vince Velasquez emerge as a fantasy monster the way former Philly Nick Pavetta did? Or should we just ignore it? I already know we're ignoring Vince <laughs> I Velasquez. I think we should ignore it, but I like where you're going. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, there were t- Vince Velasquez had that 16 strikeout, seven shutout it's inning Padres, masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he pitched for the Padres and was terrible. And Chicago. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, you don't want Vince Velasquez. No. Um, all right. What other stuff here? Oh, we have a, a trade among closers. Now, we're going to do a relief pitcher section here, so I don't want to delve too much into Craig Kimbrell going from the White Sox to the Dodgers yet. I want you to sing your song. But uh, Gavin Lux, by the Dodgers trading A.J. Pollock, it almost ensures Gavin Lux a chance at regular at-bats, probably at second base, and Chris Terrell plays left field. I moved Gavin Lux so far up in my rankings, he's now ahead of A.J. Pollock. Is that fair? It's pr- actually, it's, it's probably not, but I like where you're, <laughs> no, I, I like where you're going. See, I'm, I'm a Gavin Lux fan. The problem with Lux is that's, that's like I mentioned with Luis Patino on the last show, leap of faith ranking that do you believe in that, that regular left field role that he had to end last season and he hit very well in September. It's such a small sample. Do you believe in it? I, I see reasons to do that. But Pollock is an underrated player, and the fit in Chicago is quite positive. It's a good power park for him. He's going to play regularly, and he's going to be probably hitting sixth behind a, a pretty decent heart of the order. It's more yeah. pro-Pollock than it is anti-Lux. I, I like Pollock, too. And actually, he moves up in the lineup, whereas with the Dodgers, he was probably batting last. Yeah. So, yes, I, I do realize it's probably a silly thing to say, but like I think, I think the Dodgers know what they're doing. I mean, what a great trade. I mean, mm-hmm. to trade from depth – to get a closer, Blake Tryon apparently did not want to close. I had him in my top 10 closers. Now he's like number 30 overall among closers. Um, but it's I moved- a fun, fun trade because it's two meaningful major league players in a trade. We don't get that too often these days. <laughs> no, it's it's all fair. Uh, so AJ Pollock, now a member of the White Sox. Um, I think let's just move it right along and you sing the closer carousel song and we'll do all that. It's the closer carousel. You may want to clip that and put it on your phones uh, <laughs> because there's only one more left, and maybe that was the last one. Um, oh, man, I'm going to have to take my talents to American Idol. You got to tell me where the auditions I are. I think you have a good chance. I, I think oh, you'd have yeah. a really good chance. What is it, American uh, Voice or whatever, or something like that? I don't shows? even There's so many of those shows now. American Idol probably doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> Survivor. <laughs> Survivor, the singers. <laughs> Uh, oh gosh. Anyway, uh, and if somebody could look up how many years we—I don't know, actually know how many years we've had this show. Do you know? Two thousand seven, two thousand ten. Anyway, longer than no, I can't say longer than AJ. Kyle was Kyle was know. in third grade when we started this show. Okay, closers. Where'd you put Kimbrel among your closers? I put him number five. I moved him ahead of Jordan Romano. Um, I've got the big two, uh, big Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader. Um, and then I've got Clause, Iglesias, and now Mr. Kimbrell ahead of, of Romano, Presley, the two New York closers. Is that yeah. fair? And I think that's very fair. I have him sixth. I like Ryan Presley a lot. There were some underlying metrics last year that, that intrigued me, and that's the only reason I have him ahead. I think to make that top five case is a pretty easy one. At the same time, let's not get all glowing about the fact that Kimbrell is an automatic he has his peaks and valleys and they're pretty extreme, but when you get peaks to the level that he does a top five case is easy. 
Right. And and also the other thing here is the Dodgers, with all their depth, they can really afford to be patient, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if he's like if his hamstring hurts at all, he won't yeah. get the save that day. So you could say, like, will they give him 40 save chances because they have Trine and they have Hudson, they have lefties galore. You know, maybe his workload is really low. Maybe it's only like 55 innings. He was never a seven inning closer to start with since his rookie year. Yeah, that is possible. He could just be right in the Jansen role where, yeah, if they need to go another direction, they certainly can. And Kimbrell has had, as I said, his struggles. He's lost his control suddenly for periods of time. But I'll tell you, from September, the stat was from September 1st of 2020 until the point he was traded, he had like an 080 ERA or something like that. He was untouchable. He was. He can be, and the Dodgers will use him correctly. What's your, your so your top tier? I assume is Hader and Hendricks. Yeah. Um. And then, like, give me your next like tier. Give me your how the many next... really? Well, how many really pitchers are truly safe to you? I think I know you would take Hader and Hendricks, whereas I would not, because there's other things I'd rather have in round five or six, wherever they go. But like, where's the end for you when it when it comes to safe saves? Yeah, I mean, safe is such the air quotes around it. Scott Barlow, I, I, is he safe to you? Yeah, see, so the top tier runs about nine deep with Kenley Jansen being the last one there. G, uh, Gio Gallegos, I want to put in that group, but just the slight hint of closed by committee with a new manager. Barlow is the one you mentioned who would be taking out the starters 10, 11. Uh, he'd be my 12th. He'd be the the. Uh, the last one I'd feel really good about. Then you get to Taylor Rogers, some injury questions. Matt Barnes had velocity has had velocity issues this spring. We don't know exactly what the Giants are doing. Mariners, Corey could be a straight with, uh, you know injuries in the past. Yeah, Canable. Yeah, I skipped over Canable because he's right next to Christian Javier. There, I actually feel pretty good about Canable though. Canable is almost in a, in a Romano and Barlow tier right there. If you told me Knievel pitched 50 innings, he'd be a top 10 closer for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the ability to do that. And I thought it might happen with the Dodgers last year that he'd take over the job from Jansen. And by the way, there's no guarantees here that Jordan Romano pitches more or Kimbrell pitch more innings than Knievel does. You know, like that's the thing. Like we know Knievel's had issues staying healthy in the past seasons, but for how long? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's it's after that, it gets a little bit hairy. And, you know, so I'm, I'm going through the closer chart this morning, updating some of the, lesser teams and very uncertain bullpens the bottom half of major league baseball is kind of messy it's it's yeah to say the least isn't it i mean one we got the orioles trade that they just did with the marlins they traded all of their closer candidates pretty much and who gets baltimore saves now that cole sulcer is a marlin what are you up to next week I can't throw hard. <laughs> I, I but I you have know, extra I, time. But I, I remember I, that closer last year. He didn't throw hard either. There you go. <laughs> no, seriously. I, Dylan Tate, Paul Fry, Jorge Lopez. Are you Tyler drafting Wilson, any Baltimore? Are you drafting any any Baltimore pitchers other than John Means? I'm intrigued by Tyler Wells. He's thrown well enough at the end of last year, and then in a starter's role, the spring training has a lockdown rotation spot. I'm I'm intrigued by Tyler Wells enough in the deeper leagues. Yeah. But no relief pitchers for Baltimore. No, no. And I didn't feel good about investing in any last year either. No. What about Florida now? Is it Sulcer? Is it Bender? Is it, um, you know, who's the guy who's injured but may not be injured? Uh, Dylan Floro. Floro. Dylan Floro. Arm soreness. That's ominous. Um, I, mean, I think the trade is a bad Floro- 
Dylan Floor might get nary a save now. I think this is a sign that he's hurt, clearly hurt. I wouldn't draft him. That's what I took it as, yeah, because it was very strange picking up two to to build up your bullpen depth. That signals to me opening committee, but Mattingly, I think, takes one hot hand, and I'm still an Anthony Bender investor. I think Bender's got the skills from last year, metrics that suggest he should claim it. But Salter could, and it could also be Anthony Bass. Um, Sleeper closers. Um, guys that nobody's talking about, nobody's drafting, and then we'll do bus after that because I've got a couple there. To me, it's Robert Suarez of the Padres. They haven't named him the closer, but he's had a good spring. He, he was dominant last couple seasons, not in this country, but still like a dominant pitcher who did not allow home runs, missed bats. I, I think Suarez. I, I can't see Denelson Lamette being their closer. Can you? I, I think Suarez. Suarez is for. You I have think. to draft, right? You have to draft him. There was some chatter among the Padres beat writers uh, that it would be a committee between Suarez and Emilio Pagan. And then there was that failed Eric Hosmer trade with the Mets that Pagan was supposed to be tacked on to. But that, the tacking on suggested to me that they feel Suarez is the guy. So long as he locks down that first, second outing of the year, I think it's him. And people are really getting on board with him as a, a trendy sleeper. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, a bust has to be Lou Trevino of Oakland. He's not that good anyway, and that looks like a 50-win team. They are trying to lose in Oakland. Great job, baseball. So I'm to not me- sure I agree with you. Why? There's nobody else. <laughs> Who else? Well, first of all, he could be the fifth reliever on, on another team tomorrow. They could package him along with Frankie Montas and send him to the Yankees. I, I just – why That's keep well, a- well, good point. Good point. Why keep a guy like Lou Trevino? I mean, I looked it up. My, the only athletic I have in my top 300 right now is Montas. I have Trevino like 280, mm-hmm. all right, and Kevin Smith like 302. But, like, the point being, like, I don't even want Trevino. He's not even that good. He's not. You're saying he's, he's the only option there, but so what? If there's nothing to save. He's not, but, but in his defense – he did enter spring training feeling a little bit better about things. There have been positive notes about him. It's not like he's had an overwhelming spring, but clearly he's got a step ahead of a bullpen that's entirely up in the air. Domingo Acevedo is the only other guarantee or entered spring training. is the only other guarantee in the bullpen. And if you put Trevino in the role, build up his value over a month or two, then you could flip him. Like you're saying, the trade is always a possibility, but I don't know that his value is there right now. Do you draft any relief pitcher from the following teams? Washington, Texas. Um, well, Pittsburgh, you do Oakland. You just mentioned, so we don't have to get too far into that one. Miami. We we've mentioned, did, we did Baltimore. We did Miami. Yeah. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Do you draft uh, Cubs Cubs? Yep. Do you draft any relief pitcher on any of these teams? So Barlow, you might have to Joe Barlow. This is of the Rangers. You might have to, I'm not, I'm not a big believer there. Um, I'm believing a little bit enough in the Hunter Strickland chatter that they signed him for that to close. Art Warren is a guy I put down as a sleeper for the Reds. Beyond that from the other bullpens, no, and I'm missing one of the teams. Who's the other team we said? Cubs. I guess Cubs, we talk Givens. Givens, David Robertson, Rowan Wick. I mean, it could be any of these guys. I'm so not like, a Rowan Wick guy. Rowan Wick and Joe Barlow are the eh, guys. Yeah. I mean, Joe Barlow had great numbers in limited time last season. Now we're, we're hearing Greg Holland might close or he might get cut. That's how, mm-hmm. how ridiculous it is in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Texas is a little like the Oakland one, except, yeah. I mean, even the closer role, I think, should really be wide open. <laughs> how about the how about the Rockies? We talked Rockies a couple weeks ago. Well, I I think because they signed Alex Colomay, I think that's a sign that they want him to close over Daniel Bard, don't you think? But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I think so. I think you're right. But I don't think I you want, want him. Well, no, I don't want him. I, I don't. You know what's the problem with Colome is that his shift to the pitch to contact, the low strikeout rate he's had over the couple past couple of years, bad fit for cores. I'm terrified. That could be a, it, like you you said it. The five ERA of Jose Jimenez, thirty saves, five ERA. <laughs> bad fit everywhere. <laughs> I mean, not just there. I mean, he was bad most of last season. Anyway, that's uh, that's your look at relief pitching. Give me your overall strategy here because we should talk about that for for fantasy leagues. You're you're the points league guy now. So what is your strategy going into a 10-team ESPN points league? Do you take closes early? Do you wait like I do to the middle rounds? Do you even bother with Don Floro in round 25? Go heavy on pitching. I do invest in the higher tiers of relief pitchers that we just talked about, top 12 guys, because you can maximize your innings and the games that your starting pitchers aren't working. I'll almost always go two starters out of my first four picks. If I get value, maybe I'd even go as far as three. Um, and I really like roles. I want playing time. I want guys hitting high in the lineup and I want them playing every day. So what about for relief pitchers? So are you going to take how many relief pitchers in your first 10, 10 rounds of a points league? If the value's right, I'll take two and the pass. I would have said I'd consider three because again, you can maximize those lineup opportunities, but with what relief pitching is doing now on the uncertainty of saves distribution, I can't push it further than two. And even then, I don't even know that I'm going to get to. I, I ju- we just did the mock last week, and I got one in the first 10 rounds. I didn't like, didn't like the value. Uh, we got some hash browns here. I'm going to read them today. Uh, Bundy's up first. His girlfriend's parents are in town for the weekend. What is the optimal breakfast to serve? The relationship may or may not hinge on your advice. Um, you know, just because we have hash browns doesn't mean we're bre- breakfast experts here. <laughs> That was just basically a mis like a misstatement by me. I make them all the time. I was trying to say hashtags, I think, right? Hashtags, <laughs> that what it's supposed to be. And I said hash browns because I was hungry. I we love may have it. been eating breakfast in Arizona at the time. I can't remember. All the, those were the good old days. <laughs> oh, and, those hash browns. Yes, I missed um, them. So what does he serve his girlfriend's parents for, for breakfast? Is it French <laughs> toast? Is it eggs? Is it omelets? Is it quiche? Is it sausage? Bacon? Some good crispy bacon would be nice. Yeah. You're missing the key question here, though. Do you, do you want them to be impressed or are you trying to scare them away? Because the answer is different based on what you want. <laughs> Why would he want to scare them away? Oh, you never know. He wants to make a good relationship might, relationship might not be going all that great. Here's my opportunity for an out. That's an easy way to do it. I'm joking. But we should do uh, a relationship show. That oh, we could yeah. do. Oh, I'm real good at that. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. I'm going to tell you this. I During the pandemic, one of the things I picked up was a really great pancakes recipe. And I made really? them for my family a lot. Yeah. Uh, so my pick on this one would be your the bacon you mentioned. Bacon is a must on the side. Pancakes. Nice big pancakes. And I slice up the fruit. Strawberries, blueberries. Uh, what else can you put in there? Bananas, I guess. You slice them all up so you can put them on top of the pancakes. By think? the way, um, I like it, and I'm a little bit offended that you didn't send me the recipe. You know, I will, I will. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we're, we're still going to keep in touch after this week. So can you please text me like some recipes you have, pancakes, French toast, whatever you got. I should tweet that recipe. You should. You should. All right, I'll pick um, it up after the show. By the way, we have some breaking news. Julio Rodriguez has made the Mariners. So I asked you, um, and congratulations to Dave Schoenfield. The playoff streak is ended. Mariners will win 90 games and make the playoffs. And I know Dave's listening. Um, Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt? I already said Bobby Witt's like number 70 for me. I'm going to put Rodriguez there too. I'm all in. It's a new Eric. All prospects. 
Oh, you've been pro prospects over the past half. Day. Of course, I've had him Wainwright on Nelson Cruz on literally every team of mine, but. <laughs> Holy Rodriguez, does he belong just, in the top 100? You're trying to bring down the competitiveness of your average age on your fantasy rosters. I get it. You know, with a little Nelson Cruz, you get a Julio Rodriguez. Wait over Rodriguez for me, but I, I like where you're going. Rodriguez Which does fill up more. Mm-hmm. Which should run more and bat second. Rodriguez will probably bat like fifth or sixth, I would think. Mm-hmm. But there's no question you'd rather have Rodriguez than Kelnick now, wouldn't you? Yes, because I see the ceilings for the important roto categories being higher. The two, the reason that we like Kilnick in the first place was the elevated floor, and the struggles last year showed that that is not as high as we thought it was. Points right. leagues, points leagues. I think it's a little bit clearer wit. I think Rodriguez is a little bit better fit for roto leagues than points. Um, so here's a, a a hash brown from Jim Barto just recently in a keeper league roto five by five. Would you rather have Seiya Suzuki or Julio Rodriguez? I assume for this, well, maybe not for this year. I think I'd rather have Rodriguez for this year and for the future, wouldn't you? What do you think of Suzuki? And then I'll get to my next point, what I just did over the weekend with him. It was dumb. I, I, I feel like if you're playing for this year, Suzuki is safer because I admire the plate discipline that he had in Japan. So that's where points but- leaks. Yeah, but but the problem is if it's anything leaning keeper dynasty, Rodriguez gets a huge advantage here because he could be a star. I don't think Say Suzuki becomes a true superstar. Rodriguez is the guy we could be talking about in the top 25 draft picks for 2023. If everything clicks, he wins the rookie of the year. We could be talking about him as a top 25. I, I totally agree. It has to be Rodriguez. I, I rank Suzuki like number 100. I'm moving Rodriguez up to number 70. So here's here's what I did over the weekend. And in fairness, I wasn't aware that this draft was starting and I was at a mall. But I had the first pick. I didn't want to do it. I was the you first drafted pick. from a mall? I'm, I have the I first it. pick in a replacement draft, okay? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden an email comes in and it's starting and I, I have the first pick. I'm the expansion team. Mm-hmm. And I, I have it narrowed down to two guys who weren't in the pool last year. Seiya Suzuki and Jeremy Pena. Okay. This is a keeper league. It is a, di- it's a dynasty league mm-hmm. um, on base instead of batting average. And there's a couple of pitcher ones like quality starts and K nine. And I thought to myself, Suzuki's probably going to be better for this year, mm-hmm. but I've got a ton of outfielders and you know, Jeremy Pena, like he right, might be great. He might hit for power. He might steal. Houston's a smart organization. They let Correa go. And I thought, Who's more likely, just like you said with Rodriguez, to be a top 50 guy next year? To me, it's Pena. I took Pena. If I had texted you from the mall and said, what would you have done? You would have told me to take Suzuki. I would have told you to take Suzuki. I get where you're coming from here. You like Pena a lot. I'm just not sure yet on him. He's he's 24 years old. He hasn't shown elite power to the stage of his career, and he brings up the danger and fantasy of trusting the prospect ranking lists in that they account for defense. It's one of the, the big skills, the five tools, and that doesn't matter at all for fantasy. The reason he is such a great prospect for the Astros and locked in year over year is that he's got that tool and that's going to keep him in the lineup. I'm thinking he's a 12 homer and 20, 20 steel guy. I, I think there's a possibility he's a 2020 guy and Suzuki's not old. He's like 27, but 
this was partly need, partly hopefulness and harp. And if I wasn't at a mall, maybe I would have done the opposite, but I did it. It's, anyway, it's not a, it's Eric not a, Tash Brown. <laughs> it's not a bad move though. I'm just saying with Pena, you've got to make a decision as to how you feel about the player. And I'm just not sold that the bat skills are quite to the, I know he homered twice the other day. I, I get it, but right. And this was before that. Um, but okay, we'll see what happens. I may regret it for the next five to 10 years. Uh, Dylan writes more likely to repeat uh, from last year, Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon. I, in one of these prediction things, said that Gosman might win the AL Cy Young. So I I take him more likely to repeat. And actually, he was much better in road games than home games as a Giant the last two seasons. So to me, this was not about home road splits. I understand Gosman was not great in the second half of the season. But with Rodon, I mean, how can now he's a Giant. He gets that ballpark. But I don't worry about ballpark with Rodon. I worry about health. Gosman, to me, is a 200-inning guy, if there are any. Yeah, uh, the changes were... Absolutely legit. Not the best ballpark to be shifting from, from San Francisco, granted, but he's a different pitcher. Splitter made all the difference. Uh, 35% usage last year, 138 of his 227 Ks and opponents batted 133 off of it. He's real. He's legit. Perhaps this year he's ready for 200 innings a little bit more, given the pandemic benefit of the doubt from the shortened year. I'm with you. I like your pick there as a, as a sleeper AL Cy Young guy. Toronto's going to win the AL East and they have a great lineup and they have a great pitching staff. That's a great yeah. team. Yeah. I think that's a legit team. Yeah. Um, Ross writes in, is there a buy low window on any of DeGrom, Chris Sale, Steven Strasburg? Rank them, please. And set me straight if I should be interested at the discount or just avoiding overall. You might want to avoid all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no, no way DeGrom's ADP for the, from now until opening day is going to be 150. He's still going to be in the top hundred. People are going to still want him. Mm-hmm. I would avoid him in the top hundred. But what about Sale? And you have to avoid Strasburg. He's not making 15 starts either. But Chris Sale, he might be out like for like two weeks. This is just a, like a minor rib break, right? Or a fracture. And and like they don't Boston does not seem worried here at all. They, they wanted to limit sales innings anyway. I, I think Chris Sale might have like a dominant 150 innings. There's no way DeGrom's pitching 150 innings. I think Sale's a little a little bit of a sleeper now. I think he is. I've had discussions with a few people who had drafts over the past five days, and Sale is falling into the discount range. So I think he's the one who stands above the rest here. I'm with you that Strasburg's injury history, we talked about him on Thursdays or last Monday's show. I'm just worried about what happens with him. I think the, the basement is he just gives you nothing. By the way, DeGrom, for a reference point, the NFBC ADPs, if you take them just since Saturday, it's a sample of what looks like 81 drafts. He went 133rd overall. So Wow, okay. If that's the price in a points league, I might that's bite. Not bad. That's not bad I at all. Bite. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up here, this is Zach, uh, Mitch Hanniger or Jesse Winker, which Seattle middle of the order bat are you more confident in? Never end a sentence with the word in, uh, Hanniger or Winker. Um, I think Hanniger has more power uh, Winker has a better chance of batting average. We'll see if they sit him at all against lefties. It doesn't sound like they will. Seattle's that's a very, my goodness. Is that a talented outfield? I mean, yeah. I, I think the worst of those outfielders is Kelnick, obviously. Winker's in my top 100. Hanniger's in my top 100. Rodriguez is. Who's the DH? Probably Winker is the DH now. Yeah. I would rather have, I would have Winker over Hanniger. Would you agree with that? I think I do have him that way. In, in, a, in a points league, I have them ranked over them. They're very close. They're actually about 15 spots apart in the overall ranks and four, I think. Oh, no, five, it looks like in the outfield ranks. 
Um, Winker's had a terrible spring. That's the only real anti that I'm seeing. But yeah, he just fits the point scoring better. But I like Haniger a lot. I think I'd probably take Haniger and Roto over Winker. I mean, I think you can reasonably project 30 home runs for Haniger with like a 250 average. Winker, probably not as many home runs, higher batting average. I, I, Seattle's lineup, man, like it, it could do anything right now. Julio Rodriguez might bat six, seven, eight. He should probably bat three, four, five. Like they're going to bat a Wayne or Suarez over Julio Rodriguez. That's ridiculous. Actually, there's another factor with Winker that works against him, and that is the platoon possibility, especially with Rodriguez making the team. He has a wide, wide platoon split. And that's, that's going to cost him some volume. I'm going to make an adjustment to the points league rankings accounting for that with the Rodriguez news. I know, but if they like, if they really play Dylan Moore over Jesse Winker when they're facing a lefty, I mean, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't I'm like it. I'm trying to see who else they might have to, to do that. They have I mean, he Foro, was... Luis Torrance could be a DH against lefties. Yep. 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 They, they might carry three catchers. Um, that's a possibility. Like, what do you do with Jared Kelnick right now? The fact that Rodriguez makes the team to me is great, but if Kelnick struggles in April, mm-hmm. they, they could demote him again. Yeah. He could be this year's Taylor Trammell oh, and Trammell did not hit initially. And then he got demoted. That's, that is a possibility. Kelnick is also himself in danger of falling into platoon situations. So, and he's probably not going to hit high in the lineup. No, he's not. I, I, I just, I still want to love Kelnick because a year ago today we did. And then, you know, one season give up, you can't give up that fast, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, still, have, I, don't, I have no shares do. of Kelnick anywhere. I don't have shares because he's not been going at the discount. I was hoping, but I am on board. I do think that he's what the improvements he made down the stretch are sustainable. Uh, M Caleb writes is Casey Myers worth rostering in a 12 team head to head categories league. Uh, Detroit's rotation is very interesting. Erod, Casey Mize, Scooble, Matt Manning, Tyler Alexander, maybe. Um, Soto, the closer with Fulmer. We don't really know for sure there yet. Turnbull's out probably for the year, Tommy John. Um, he might might be back second half. Might, might, might. What, what are you, after Erod, what are you doing with Detroit's rotation in, say, a, a 12-team head-to-head categories? What are you doing there? You like Mize? Because oh. I don't see a sub-4 ERA there. Yeah. <laughs> He actually, in a year that wasn't that extraordinary on the surface, had underlying metrics that made, you know, that, that made him look lucky, which is not a good sign. Improved control, got more grounders, and those are about the only two positive things I can say. He, I remember saying, had a path to Aaron Nola's success, but right now he's shown none of the ingredients to get there. So another leap of faith kind of pick where you're going by the draft stock. And the fact that he has a rotation spot. I just, unless he's late and cheap, I'll pass. Knox Harrington writes, um, please name the best pitchers eligible at starting pitcher, but who will pitch mostly in the bullpen. Need to rack up good numbers from the starting slot while starters are between starts. Now there's a bunch of guys who are relief eligible starters, Ranger Suarez, uh, Cal Quantrill, Drew Rasmussen, but going the other way, the only guy who jumps to mind is Christian Javier of Houston, who's in Houston's bullpen but he has starter eligibility. I'm Reliever with a starter? A, a guy who's going to pitch in the bullpen, but has starter eligibility. Carlos Hernandez yeah. is, is one guy. Nestor Cortez, I don't know. He's in the rotation. He's in the rotation. Carlos so, Hernandez is probably also going to be in the rotation. You mentioned Javier, Ryan Yarbrough. Why is Javier mm-hmm. not in the rotation? Just because they have too many starting pitchers, I guess. Yeah, they're putting Oda Rizzi as their two. Verlander's their three. They're four. Uh, I think it's Valdez. 
Odorizzi, Framber, Framber's in there, Erquitty, Luis Garcia. Erquitty and, yep, and is there, it's, her, it's Garcia and then Erquitty. I think it's the five, and that's why. If they went to six, they, they might have room for him. I think they're just trying to keep Javier's innings in check, and then he'll go into the rotation whenever when, an um, arises. When do you expect Lance McCullers to pitch? Because if we're talking about 20, 25 starts, I mean, Lance mm-hmm. McCullers is still going to matter a lot this year, but like we never talk yeah. about him. Yeah, he slipped in my keeper league draft. I picked him up because I can throw him on the injured spot. He was my fifth or sixth starting pitcher, I believe. I like the price, but I think you're looking at a month's absence. And I'm, I am worried that that might not go well. The injury history is too troubling. It is a bit troubling. Um, one of many troubling relievers right, with um, starters. I'll give you uh, Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh of the Braves. Well, that's that's the other way. That's the guy who's going to pitch in relief. With a starter eligibility. I think he's looking. So we want to start. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. That's what he. Well. We want a reliever with the starter eligibility or a starter with a reliever. I'll give the starters with the relievers are Ranger Suarez, Cal Quantrill, Drew Rasmussen, Carlos Hernandez, Cortez, Ryan Yarbrough. All the rest are a little. Well, Taylor Hearn, I guess you can make a case for. The relievers with the starter are Javier. Denelson Lamette. uh, Not a lot else on this list. Colin McHugh. And then a lot of so David Price. Atlanta lost Luke Jackson to TJ surgery and Garrett Crochet of the White yep. Sox. These are good yeah. relief pitchers. Man, it's going to be it's going to be tough in April. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there was a question here. I can't find it right now from somebody about like who is going to get wins in April by not starting like Longman, like Christian Javier could win four or five games in April, just back, piggybacking like Verlander and the other starters who are only going mm-hmm. four innings. Yeah. Like, is there anybody else that jumps to mind to you who like is going to pitch multiple innings in a middle relief role and could could rack up wins that way? Who were the winners last year out of the bullpens? Oh but gosh. I, but it was mostly guys who would pitch like the seventh inning and then the Yankees would score three runs and get them a win, like Chad Green types. So that's you can't speculate there. Yeah. I'm trying to I was just thinking about this the other day, and it's not on the forefront of my mind, unfortunately. I'm sorry for that. Um Dodgers uh, have Dodgers. Well, like, like who's in the Dodger bullpen right now? Is Gratterall's not really a multi-inning guy, but like right. they must have Price. David Price is not, I don't think he's healthy. Tyler Anderson, I don't think is in rotation. He could end up with a couple like piggyback wins. I could see that. Aaron Ashby. Oh, the Milwaukee. If they go six man, um, he'd mm-hmm. be in the rotation. A couple or teams are going six five, man. They could they could piggyback him. They could. Wait, is Seattle going six man? I think I remember seeing that as well. No, Brad five. Yeah, they're five men, which is weird. Last year, I believe they were all six men. Um, depending on the way the Mets rotation shakes out. Oh, right, they didn't make the trade though for uh, uh for Chris Paddock. Um, McGill's currently in the rotation, I would guess, but he was looking like the long man. Oh, you know, Tigers. Tyler Alexander's the five, but he'll drop into the long man role once Michael Pineda is ready after two minor league starts. Fair enough. Um, and San Diego, uh, you mentioned, you know, nobody's talking about Nick Martinez. He looks like he's in the rotation. He, he's come over from Japan where he pitched well. well who's uh, their side? They're, they're, they're Dar- Darvish, Snell? Musgrove, Manaya, Nick Martinez, Blake Snell. Paddock is out of the rotation. He'll be a long man. Um, I think that's and what Nick they're Martinez, doing. Yeah. I think Martinez is a leg up on Paddock currently, which is a shame. I said Paddock was, about well, I would have loved to see very him. Very interesting. Yeah. It's intriguing. But anyway. 
Yep. I mean, Philadelphia is not going to let Zach Wheeler throw more than 60 pitches his first outing or two. Same with Ranger Suarez. The long men there are guys you don't want. Bailey Falter, uh, Nick Nick Nelson. How about um, as, as, as uncomfortable as the name makes me to say, because he hasn't been that good in a couple of years, Ross Stripling? Yeah, I suppose. Toronto, that's a possibility. I'm just it's digging like down the list further and further. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, it's a tough to put us on the spot here. I'm trying to think of like teams like that will be careful. Giants will be careful with Rodon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Alex Wood doesn't go deep as it is. Tyler Beatty could be an option for the Giants. You know, something to think about. Um, anyway, I guess that's Louis about it Hill for today's maybe show. for the Yanks. For the Yankees, they could do that. Luis Hill and Michael King are probably the two best candidates for that. All right. Well, we gave you 45 good minutes today. And um, look, we'll get emotional on Thursday's show. But today, we thank you for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball. And we love what we do. And uh, we'll do it one more time on Thursday. Thank you to Kyle. Feel better. Thank you to Tristan. You're my pal. I'm Eric. Have an awesome week.